Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, there are strange things done in the midnight sun by the men who brew their own beer, and the Arctic savers hold secret flavors that would make your blood run cold. Yes, the North Lights have seen beer flights, but the beerest flight they ever did see was the night on the marge of Lake Abarge where I quartered Sam McGee. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back. This is our 207th episode of Hoxit of hops and box office flops we are the internet's premier podcast for bad movies and mostly good beer tonight we continue our look at summer camp flops with 1993's charming and endearing indian summer i am your canoe paddling host the thunderous wizard and along with me tonight for this sorrowful journey into the carefree days of our youth our camp tamakwa's reigning boxing champion chumpzilla there's nothing like a good moose knuckle that is true. Just uh, reference our last movie, mm-hmm. Sleepaway Camp. And we've also got the man who can't find the trophy he buried, Bling Blake. Wow, that was good. I thought you were going to knee me in the nuts or something. Oh, T-Dubs uh, is so jealous of Bill Paxton in this film. I mean, he's everything I aspire to be in life. That hair is amazing. Awesome. Jamming out to the Grateful Dead. Making out with Diane Lane. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much it. Just That's living, living life to the fullest. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so points for you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and Bo Flops. Indian Summer is available to rent across platforms for three ninety nine. I recommend you just buy it for seven ninety nine on Amazon because this movie is glorious. I concur. Uh, exactly. Buy this movie. Yeah. Thank you, Blake. Blake. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's talk beer tonight. We're drinking. Holiday's Big Henry Hazy IPA. This is a gluten-free beer that comes in a Captain Cash disapproved 6.3% ABV. But as the legend goes, Big Henry is the trophy fish that always is just out of reach. This juicy and balanced beer has waves of tropical notes and citrus. There's little doubt that one of the lakes in the Algonquin Provincial Park has fish just like Big Henry, which is why I paired it. And I would give this... uh, I'm not as big of a fan of hazy IPAs as general IPAs, but I'd give this a solid two out of three movies. I'd watch two bad movies while striking Big Henry. Nice. Also, fun fact, Big Henry is what Bill Paxton called his dick. Rip, buddy. Lots of rips to go around. I mean, we we lost Bill Paxton way too soon. We just lost Alan Arkin, who is a pod returner as well because he was uh, the Rocketeer. But uh, mm-hmm. we're going to get into that because Indian Summer, directed by Mike Binder, who also wrote and directed The Upside of Anger and Rain Over Me. Well, I think two solid movies. He kind of excels at movies about damaged people who are rediscovering themselves. But I would say his most notable achievement is directing Blank Man. Yes. Love that movie. 100%. Hey, I'll just say this. As far as Adam Sandler's career goes, 
I think outside of Spanglish and Punch Drunk Love, Rain Over Me might be like his third strongest dramatic performance, which it, I think that's probably his only three dramas, but whatever. Oh, Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems and Hustle are both better than Rain Over Me. I, you know what? I have not seen Uncut Gems. Shame on me. Hustler or whatever the basketball movie, that was okay. He was good in it, but it wasn't. I, I think he's better in Rain Over Me and Spanglish and Punch Drunk Love. All right. Well, but whatever. To, to each their own. Because, uh, hey, Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. The real Don Cheadle. The not real scroll. Don Cheadle. Not Scroll Don, Don, Cheadle. Don Cheadle. What if it turns out that that was actually Scroll Cheadle? So he wasn't even really there for his best friend. I'd have to go back and rewatch it. At that point, that, either. That changes a lot. I'd have to go back and rewatch it does. It now. And what if mm-hmm. that scroll is the guy who was behind 9-11, which is the impetus of that whole sorrowful arc for poor Adam Sandler right over me? So you're saying W was a scroll? Could be. Yeah. Certainly Dick Cheney was probably a scroll, but 100%. Uh, and, and Rummy. Yeah, totally. Rumsfeld, scroll all, all right. the way. But back to Indian Summer because this movie stars Alan Wild Knuckles Arkin as Uncle Lou. You've got Matt First Class Craven as Jamie Ross, Diane, the celebrity crush of my life, Lane as Beth Warden, Bill, make you beg for buttermilk, Paxton as Jack Belston. <laughs> You've got Elizabeth, I'm technically a statutory rapist, Perkins as Jennifer. Because she does have sex with Tom Hanks and Big, and he's technically twelve, so <laughs> ah, okay, yeah, problematic, sure, sure. You've got Kevin End of Days Pollock as Brad Berman. Welcome back. Uh, you don't get blown up in a car in this movie, so that's a plus. Mm. You've got Vincent Alive Spano as Matthew Berman. You've got Julie Tommy Boy Warner as Kelly Berman. You've got Kimberly, according to Jim Williams Paisley, as Gwen Doherty. And then in my personal favorite role of the film, you've got Sam Evil Dead Raimi as Stick Coder. Just, wow. Yeah. Sam Raimi just slap sticking it up. Doing his, great, man. He was fantastic. His comedy in this movie is pretty damn good. I, I have to admit, like, I'm watching this. I know he's a film guy. I know he's a, you know, obviously a director. But like, he was definitely getting a little Buster Keaton action in. Like, this was old-timey physical comedy. It was pretty funny. I have to admit, I'm just going to get it out of the way now because I'm sure it doesn't come up. I did chortle when he did the little clip-on bow tie gag at the dance. I'm like, oh, okay, fuck you, movie. That's funny. I mean, gotcha. one, one of my favorite scenes of the film is when he's unloading the bags. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, early on. Yeah, no, yeah. it's it, instantly that's great. Yeah, that was good. Or the fact that he smashes the boat into the dock every, every time. time. Every <laughs> time. <Yeah. laughs> it's uh, a great gag. It, it doesn't really fit the tone of the film, but I'm not going to take I mean, it does because that. he was related to some other nut bar that they all remember. and They immediately know that he must be related to this guy. Yeah, but it just, it's the movie, the rest of the movie is somewhat emotional and serious. And he is just like purely comic relief. Oh, God. I mean, oh. that's camp. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Uh, No, I'm just saying it just doesn't. The movie doesn't mesh well. They both work separately. They just don't fit together. Whatever. Moving on. Come on. Okay. So, Indian Summer was released April 23rd, 1993. It grossed 14.9 million on a budget of nine million. 
Uh, sort of a bummer, in my opinion. Uh, this movie was inspired by Mike Bender's experience attending the actual camp Tamaqua when he was a kid, which is why Sam Raimi is in this, because they were childhood friends and they attended camp together. Mm-hmm. I've always had a very soft spot for this movie. I really like it. So I think it deserves better than the 58% it has on Rotten Tomatoes and its 51 Metascore. The audience score of 65 seems a little bit more appropriate to me. I get why everyone may not love this movie, and that's the most I'm going to give you tonight, Chumpzilla, but it's great, and 65% seems still low in my book, but but much more fair. It's fine. All right, well, that uh, brings us to one sentence description. So why don't we get Debbie Downers out of the way first, Chumpzilla? What do you, what do you think? How do you, How would you describe this in one sentence? Indian Summer is a sappy nostalgia fest that can't decide whether or not it wants to be a sex comedy or a midlife crisis drama film. Okay, uh, bling bling. First of all, Chumpy, just tell us you don't like the big chill without telling us you don't like the big chill. I don't like the big chill. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, my one sentence is, camp reunion goes exactly according to plan. Yep, and I would say... Uh, being an adult sucks for the most part. So don't forget to make time for your friends. That's this movie in a nutshell. That's this show in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> sure. Except except Uncle Lou is way more fun to be around than Chumpzilla. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. He does seem to be very nice. Uncle Chumpy is definitely more cantankerous and much more likely to perform a dirty dog on all of us. Always, mm. yep. I'm pretty sure he was planning a dirty dog on several people. He was just waiting for the opportunity. Well, I got to tell you, if if anybody's the dirty dog, aka the camp narc, it's Captain Cash. Oh, that's a fact. Yeah, he's <laughs> just not here. You know, uh, in his you guys absence, have past your bedtime. <laughs> Time to go back to your your cabins. Who pulled that last shrek? I'm gonna tell Lou. Yeah. You know, that's not very funny if you think about it. <laughs> Yeah, he's right. definitely he's definitely the the nerdy uh, roots uh, business guy. Yeah. So the actual IMDb description of this movie is pretty much the movie: seven friends reunite for a week long reunion at a summer camp in Ontario they used to attend as children, which is now threatened with being closed down. That's is it, is it really being threatened, or is that just well, Luke's it's, decision? It's going to close down, right? But like that's why he brought them all back. Although, like he, he sort of it sort of seems like he's like an all knowing character. Like he knows they're all in bad places in their life, which is why he invited them back. Uh, wait, I, I, there's just a lot of uh, yeah. I mean, again, that goes back to my point. Like, there's a lot of sex comedy stuff. There's a lot of humor and slapstick, but then there's also this darker subplot for all the characters because they're all going through something in midlife, effectively. Yeah, well, they're going yeah, through adulthood. But that's why my one sentence is camp reunion goes exactly according to plan. Like Uncle Lou knew somebody was going to come back. Somebody was in that position to come back and take over the camp. I, well, yeah, I, I mean, okay, okay so what just hold on because I understand what you're saying there, Blaine Blake. But what I don't get is that that seems like a bit of a reach. That's a pretty unrealistic plot point that he's like, I'm going to invite these campers back and someone's just going to be destined to take over. That's a little weird. And then at the same time, 
the specific group of people he calls back are all in these weird places in their lives. And they all happen to be like weird and horny together at the same time. Like no, nope, he invited the movie. He invited okay. 30 people, and those are the only yeah, ones the only, that came. Those are the ones that showed up. Also, right, not that right, kind of movie. It's a movie exactly. about no, middle-aged people. And guess Do what? You? Middle-aged people are generally at weird inflection points in their life. No, so under, understood. It's just very convenient it that it all comes together like that. Yeah. So yeah. let's get into the plot, because the movie opens with a group of kids attending camp in the early 1970s. The U is purposefully muted. Fast forward 20 years. And they're all adults. They're heading back to Camp Tamaqua at the request of the beloved camp owner, Uncle Lou. The pallet remains drab until they reach the dock, hence the theme of the movie. The movie is is telling you what it is right off the bat. Sort of, yeah. I mean, it's very stylized, yes. So Camp Tamaqua harkens back to a simpler time in all their lives. But now they all descend onto the camp with their own problems. Jamie is a narcissist who treats his young fiance poorly. Okay, that's that's the creepiest part of the movie is that his fiance is 21 and he basically turns into the cook from Sleepaway Camp when he talks about her. Well, he's a pretty creep. gross. He's pretty he's gross, a yeah. he's a hopeless malignant narcissist who treats women as objects like and nobody calls him out on it immediately when he's like vulgar about it. That's Whatever, moving on. I, I mean, he is called out, so I, I can't... Later. Really yeah, it, it comes so, up later. He does get... So yes. you've got Beth or Bethy, who's still in mourning uh, because she lost her husband. Hold on. I'm going to complain now. Oh, Why God. does she walk up to the camp carrying a canoe paddle? Because she kept it. What does it mean? Let me tell you something. Yeah. There were, <laughs> there were several... What was Diane Lane doing in her free time with that canoe paddle? First of all, any paddler has a favorite paddle. And second of all, there were oh. several paddling scenes in this movie. And this is, I've, you know, I, I pay attention. Strangely, to strangely, Bling, none of them are the kind of paddling scenes with Diane Lane that D-Dubs wanted to see. Okay, Correct. wait a minute here. But I, look, no. I pay attention to this stuff in movies because of my career. And I'm telling you, this is the first time I've ever seen everybody not only hold the paddle correctly, but also do a J-stroke correctly. Bonus these points, people, wow. These people were coached on how to paddle a canoe properly, and they did. I'm very and, proud of that. And you know why? It's because this was a Canadian production, and the Canucks know they're paddling. They know how to J-stroke properly mm-hmm. with a beaver tail paddle. Don't you think they don't? This is a lot of, this could be sexual innuendo. I, I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> J-stroke, I don't, I don't know either. Stuff. All I can say is that definitely 100% T-Dubs wants to J-stroke <coughs> Diane Lane's beaver paddle. Oh, stop that. She's Superman's mom. Come on, keep potentially it the love of my life. <laughs> Don't uh, be crude. So anyways, her husband who died, she met at Camp Tamaqua. Uh, we've got Jack, who's a man lost. He was once kicked out of camp by Uncle Lou, but has returned to make amends. You've got Matt and his wife Kelly, who are on the rocks, because Matt is a is unhappy in his professional life. He works with his cousin, Brad, who's a workaholic. And then there's Jennifer, who Matt conveniently used to date, who's lonely. Yeah, so wait a minute. I can't tell the chicks in this movie apart. Is one of them the shrink from The Sopranos? No. No, not even remotely close. Is she the chick from Last Man Standing? Uh, Nope. 
Nancy Travis is not in this movie. Nope. So are you talking about the Tim Allen show or the Bruce Willis movie? The, the Tim Allen show. Yeah, who's, no. Who's who's the wife of the good looking guy? She's in Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy. That's hence Tommy why, Boy. Hence why okay. I said Tommy Boy. Yeah. No, I but I'm like, I know her from something. That's her. She's the yeah. Tommy and the boy. other one that's not Diane Lane is uh big. The, from Big. Yeah. yeah. And then the other one is from According the, to Jim. Yeah. Who's now married to Brad Paisley. The young one? Yes. Who's the who, that's okay? Why? All the girls that aren't Diane Lane in this movie look the same. Much like Sleepaway Camp, they all look like Sarah Silverman. In this movie, all of them are like brunettes with curly hair, and I can't tell them apart. Uh, curly hair uh, was a big thing in the early 90s. It was. This is, it this was, is why yeah. in our text thread I referred to you as Jamie, because to you, all women are just objects. Yep. yep. I mean, he Jamie. treats objects like women. Man? Uh, so anyway, Uncle Lou has brought them all back because this is his last summer. After 43 years, he's giving it all up. He, like his favorite crew of campers, is having his own existential crisis. Uh, so the movie in general is very much about rediscovering yourself, remembering who you really are. And the old crew of campers does this by engaging in all their old favorite act- favorite activities, such as passing the swimming test, sailing, playing Shreks, which are practical jokes on one another, sneaking out for snacks, competing in the Tamaquathon, which is essentially a camp triathlon, triathlon, etc. You know what? I'm going to say it now. The one thing that was missing in this movie for me was a solid uh, flashback scene. We get several flashbacks in the film. Don't get me wrong, but like I feel like we should have seen this group of characters minus the twenty-one-year-old child bride. We did, kind of separately, but we should have had like an extended sequence of that that with Lou that would have helped set some of this up a little bit better because it just kind of seems like rapid fire. I, I, I personally, I just found it tough to follow. Like, wait, well, what? What? I mean, you I'm are a man who it, thinks that Sleepaway Camp is a well-told story, I, but. I, I actually have an important question about this sure. movie. Okay. Did Jack Belston not compete in the Tamaquathon because he wanted Ruthie to win? Bethy to win. He wanted Bethy to win. Did he let her win? Well, he didn't compete because I think he knew it was very important to her to win I, that. And then the asshole oh, the, guy the, the, beats oh, her. The, 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 re, the modern one. Yes. Yes. Because it uh, shows uh, her win as a child and now she needs that win so much as like a piece of like catharsis and the asshole beats her wait but didn't he let her win as a kid too no she just beat him straight up i thought i thought he like no she beat him okay i misunderstood that scene yeah so so i mean yeah i i mean obviously those two characters had a thing Yes, so he I, he was clearly always in love with her. He was best friends with the husband, which is alluded to. Yeah, I think I think he was trying. Yeah, yeah, obviously he's trying to give her closure, right? I mean, that, I mean that's a big theme in this movie is closure, right? Like that's yeah, all these people want closure in some sense, or at least not final closure, but the the closure to move on to the next step. And that's a that's a theme in the film. So yeah, I think I think he he purposely did that because he knew she needed it because he cared for her, right? Yeah. So I agree. Long story short, yeah, there are okay. lessons to be had. Jack gives Lou back his boxing trophy, which he stole after hearing of Uncle Lou turning away a black counselor, which is weird turn. 
Well, no, super, I think it's I think it's super one weird. Of the, drink. That came out of nowhere. No, it's it it did not come out of nowhere because he was kicked out of camp because they all looked up yeah, to this guy but, like he was infallible when in truth he was not. He is also human and he made a mistake. Yeah, uh, but just all of a sudden him. out of the blue to paint the the camp director guy. He's as being mildly racist. He's not, not racist. see that coming. He, he made won't... a poor decision based he upon what he sure. thought the reaction would be, not his reaction. The no, reaction of but that, was, that shows some implicit bias. Like it's, it just. It, I'm not saying it makes him a bad it's guy. The I don't 70s, hate the character. Man. I know it just. I did not see that coming. I like I, this movie has some heavy adult themes about life and relationships. Don't get me wrong, but that was not where I saw this going, which is, I'm not saying it's bad either. It was just kind of shocking. It was, uh, it was, uh, you know, is it as shocking as a, as a girl camper having a dick after chopping a boy's head off? Well, I, this was not the final reveal. This was kind of the mid movie reveal. And I just, you really hate movies with actual emotional cores. I I can sense here. I think the it's movie almost good... as if you need to go back to your own personal camp to Maybe I do. I do think the movie handled it well. I do think that the way that uh, Lou apologized for his behavior uh, was like decent. Like, okay, no, the movie handled it well. They didn't hand wave it away. He he felt remorse and yada yada yada. But it was a little weird. It, come on, like that was that was a weird turn for this movie I, to take. I don't think it was that weird. Uh, I mm. think it's just part of the movie that Listeners, explains. You have all to have four or five people that listen to this podcast. Please, I want a Twitter poll on this. Was that weird? I feel Chum- like it was weird. Chumpy, chumpy. Yes, there had to be some kind of moral impetus to make Jack do something to Lou that was so hurtful that it got him kicked out of camp. So there's not a long list of things that can fit that, right? It's like either he hits a kid, sexually assaults somebody, or maybe, to your point, has some institutional bias and does something that's not directly racist, but effectively is not morally sound and then regrets it. And that's a thing that you can recover from. You can recover yes, from yeah. sending a kid home with a with a wad of cash in his pocket. You can't yeah. recover from the other things that he would have done that would have been bad enough to make Jack do he, something it, so terrible. But, but again, again, a though, guy. he's a guy that made a mistake. Yeah, but I think it's just a weird turn to take that you find out that Bill Paxton's character is sent home for being right. No, no, like, he stole his personal property and buried it. Yeah, for the That's right reasons. Kicked out of for, for the right reasons. Which Uncle Lou also regrets. Yeah, yeah no, understood. Regardless, understood. you can't steal somebody's shit and bury it. Like, sure you can, can say, hey, what you did is wrong. You can't this steal is just like stuff this is just, bury this is, it. Hold on, hold on, T Dubs. I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out on this. You can't. This is the he didn't do it. Like what oh, he did. Hold was on. Wrong. Can you punch yes. Nazis? You can punch Nazis. You yes. can bury racist trophies. I mean just Moving not, on. That's not, not that's not gonna hang up on. He's not a racist. He's a guy. He, who he was until he decided he wasn't. Okay, I think you're interpreting this in the way that you would like, not the way the movie portrays it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, fair enough. Fair. Let's move on. Move on. You Anyways, still, you can punch Nazis and you can bury racist I think, trophies. I mean, this those is are all total, acceptable activities. It's total false equivalence on your part, but you're doing a lot of whataboutism. I think you might be a Soviet spy. Hey, what about the moose knuckles? Yeah, never waste uh, a good moose knuckle. So Beth and Jack reconnect. She allows herself to find love again. Matt finally communicates, although Matt does attempt to cheat on his wife, so fuck that guy. Uh, Jamie is taught a lesson by his much younger fiance, who flashes the rest of the crew and tells him to kick rocks. Some um, great side boob in that scene. Wow. So this movie is just packed full of so much heart, in my opinion. And as it progresses, they all realize that Camp Tamaqua can't die. It's played such an integral role in all their lives. Unfortunately, none of them seem up to the task of running it, but wait. Jack and Bethy stay behind to keep the tradition alive. Cue the tears. I love this movie. So, Blink Blake, how many beers are required for Indian Summer? I think uh, it's it's 97 minutes, so you don't need to have a whole bunch. I would say three enjoyment beers, one pain. Uh not that there's anything necessarily wrong with it, but you know, there's some plot points that it would help to be a smidge fuzzy on to make the movie just flow a little better. Yeah. The cheating thing is not recoverable for me. Like the fact that he is fully prepared to cheat on his wife in the, in the boathouse. And then uncle Lou breaks it up because he is Jiminy cricket for all. He's fantastic. Uh, that he, tells them this awful story about how they used to hack fish up in this in this boathouse it's oh wall-to-wall fish guts you wouldn't believe how bad it smelled like kills the the mood yeah he's the anti-boner that's fantastic uh not like bill paxton's boner that can rip masking tape i've i've gone to enough uh camp reunions to know that there's probably a little bit more truth to that scenario than we would like to admit yeah so I'm I'm with you. I, this is a three enjoyment beer movie for me. I hadn't revisited this movie in a long time, but I really, really like this movie. Obviously, I love the cast. Everyone of the cast, even the people that are not as as well established, uh, say as Bill Paxton and Alan Arkin, are just they're just all great. It's a great ensemble movie. Kevin Pollock's a lot of fun as sort of the guy who takes himself takes life a little too seriously, even though he's apparently the Shrek King. Uh I love this movie. So three enjoyment beers. I'm glad that uh, Blink Blake insisted we do this on the pod. I would have chosen another terrible horror movie. So I uh, love this movie. I can't do another. I yeah. can't do two horror movies in one <laughs> one go for summer camp. I was so excited about this uh, theme that two horror movies would just it would have broken my spirit. Yeah. So Chumzilla, how many beers are required for Indian summer? <laughs> Um, three confusing beers, I guess. Um, again, I, I, I really couldn't make heads or tails of this movie. Um, it's not that complex of a movie. It, no, it's, it's, it's not, but like the tone, I just, it, it just, and I feel like some oh, of the, what are you, what are you caveman lawyer? Yeah, Emotions kinda, bad. Well, no, just some of the setups aren't super strong and the pit and the payoffs aren't great, but yeah, just three beer. I mean, it's not terrible. Um, I think my, probably my biggest complaint might be the soundtrack, which is awful. It just, it just, it just doesn't add anything to the film. It's like a weird oh, yeah. okay. orchestral, like uh classical and then sometimes slapsticky. It's like, wow, 
what are, what are we trying to do here exactly? And again, the movie just kind of bounces all over the place. I, you know, here's the thing I'll say. T-Dubs, bear with me for a moment. I know you think it's nonsensical that I don't like this movie. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a bearing with person, But I see, I like It's a Wonderful Life. And I don't think this movie is like far removed from the kind of like sappy emotional drama that is It's a Wonderful Life. I think they're kind of like, it's the same kind of thing. It's a little bit of a, you know, it's all too convenient, small world. It all works out in the end. Like it should, right? Like, so I'm not saying I hate that kind of movie. I just feel like this one doesn't set that premise up as well as uh, something like It's a Wonderful Life. And I just kind of, it just feels unearned to me. So I'll give it three confusion beers because it's not terrible, but I still don't know how I feel about it. Okay. So just to recap, listeners, this movie is not as emotionally satisfying as one of the most well-regarded movies of all time. Okay. Well, you so, uh, okay, fine. Yeah. I mean, uh, so we're going to head to our first break and we're going to hear from our camp attending brother from another mother over to the double turn podcast. I won't do you dirty like Chumpzilla did last week because he is the devil. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, it's the J-Man and I'm the host of the Double Turn Podcast. Every month, myself and a featured guest bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in the industry, or taking a look back at some of the greatest matches and moments in history. So check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And give us a follow on Twitter at TDT Wrestling Pod and on Instagram at The Double Turn Podcast. And don't forget to check out our home base at wabamentertainment.com for all your comic book and movie needs. And check out our sister podcast, Hops and Box Office Flops. Enjoy, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Hello, and welcome back to the 207th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. And we are talking 1993's Indian Summer. And we've got some lingering questions about the film. Number one, gentlemen, are you surprised this flopped? I'm just going to start with Bling Blake throughout because Chumpzilla depresses me. <laughs> no. Well, maybe. Uh, this movie should not have flopped based on the cast and the nostalgia that it was going for. I think that it was up against some heavy hitters at that time. Um, I forget what I was. I, I looked it up and I forget what was coming out against it, but like I think it was like Indecent Proposal released on the same weekend. So I think it just had kind of a tough road to hoe at the box office. It didn't flop that hard. So yes, I'm surprised that it flopped in the sense that there were a bunch of 90s darlings in this. Um, And maybe the I have fond memories of camp demographic is slightly smaller than the studios planned for. Um, We certainly didn't have any trouble finding uh, movies for this theme month but no i'm not surprised because of of those things okay so some of those movies for example indecent proposal uh sandlot was still in theaters around this time hey uh, that actually boiling point came to mind for me uh watching this like this movie again would have benefited from a sandlot-esque flashback a group flashback that something that would have tied this together. It just, it lacked that overarching 
whatever uh, to make it, a, 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 you know, uh, emotionally pop at the end. Um, and I think that's why the movie did flop. Like, do I think it should have flopped? Yeah, because it had a good idea. I don't think it quite executed it the way it needed to to make it truly pop as a nostalgia, like, hey, we're going back and we're coming forward and we're learning from our experiences kind of thing. Like, it just, there was something missing. I guess what I'm really trying to say is there was something missing that would have pushed this movie over the top. Okay, well, I'm sorry. A decent proposal is a sack of shit. Oh, Even I don't as like far that as like either, cheap pop titillation goes, that movie's terrible. Uh, it is. And considering the other high grocer of April was fucking cop and a half, yes, I'm very surprised this flopped. Well, I just don't. I just we, we talk about indecent. Cop and a half is fantastic. You shut uh, your mouth. Yeah, that's that. That was uh, that was Emmanuel Lewis and no, uh, it was it was Burt Reynolds and a, Burt Reynolds and, and, a young and some actor. kid, some kid, not uh, not Emmanuel say. Lewis. It was not but, Emmanuel Lewis. No, but what I'm trying to say, I, I saw that movie in theaters. Um, what I'm trying to say, though, is I don't think your audience for Indecent Proposal and uh, Indian Summer, that Venn diagram doesn't have a lot of overlap. But this is a say. perfectly serviceable movie for a sure certain type of audience that should do at least its budget. Or it did do its ah. budget, but double its budget. I think that Indecent Proposal and this movie are exactly the same audience. It's... Young no. people, yeah, horny, no. horny women is the audience for a decent proposal who all wish that Robert Redford would pay their schmuck of a husband a million dollars for one night to sleep with them. I wish yeah. I had a million dollars to pay Demi Moore. Well, I was gonna say Robert Redford, but yeah, Demi Moore is good too. Uh, but no, yeah, I, I, I think again, this this movie just didn't it didn't have that like uh that thing to push it over the top to make it like you must see this movie. That's this, why is, this is a perfectly serviceable early 90s film that would attract an audience. Indecent Proposal was the sixth highest grossing film of 1993. So it's a heavy it, hitter. What does that tell one? you about the What's 90s? Number one? Uh, I don't know. Terminator 2? It's not what I googled. That movie's not even that good of an action movie. Oh, God. oh my gosh. <laughs> no, we're not doing this again. I mean, of the 90s, I mean, you're getting into the Matrix territory and stuff too. So it's like a pretty broad rush because yeah, yeah because sudden... because keanu movies are better action movies no because that the the semi scene in the channel was 100 percent practical and they flew a helicopter under that bridge yeah now they don't anyway. do that anymore nobody does that anymore yeah. that's amazing they'll never do it again but we're still on indian summer is this we... the one with the little guy in the cupboard no, that's the Indian in the cupboard. Oh. Also, that movie, that title, not. I mean, Indian Summer is like an actual term, but still semi. Not a great one. Yeah, no, not, not a great one. But yeah, the Indian in the cupboard. In retrospect, no. Uh-uh. It came out. Yeah. Didn't the book come out like in the forties? Well, yeah. I don't know. I read it. It yeah. was it was okay as a kid. Anyways, so, number two. Blake everything's Blake. just okay. We, we, you were we, a we, camp we, counselor. Yeah, so we know you have a camp experience. I personally. Never really had an experience like this. I did a couple day camps growing up. I never did like eight weeks away from my family. Chumpsill, did you have a summer camp experience? If uh, you did, no. it was probably in a sanitarium. I, it, that would be appropriate. But no, I never I never did like a, a, a hardcore summer camp. I did a couple day camps, but never an overnight camp. Okay, so that brings us to number three, because if 
you and a group of friends were to meet up 20 years later, where would it be? What place? Oxford, Ohio. Well, okay. What place, Blake Blake, oh. defines your fond memories like Camp Tamaqua for these characters? I.e., what place turns the dull reality of life vibrant again? It's Camp Chattagay. Uh It's it's upstate New York. It's on it's on the shores of Lake Chattagay. So, so wait, hold on, Blake. What is it with upstate New York? Sleepway Camp, upstate New York. Uh, There's a lot of camps up there, dude. Th- th- this yeah. th- this movie effectively Canada, upstate yeah. Canada, not, upstate, yeah, not, upstate far, not far. The same same uh-huh. uh, northeast region. Like, is that is that where every summer camp is? Uh, I would not every, but uh, I would say that New England and the Northeast and this Eastern is more Canada new- have a have a much more robust tradition of summer camps than, than probably anywhere else in the country. Yeah, this is for sure. There's, there's a higher Michigan, concentration though, of camps correct? up there than anywhere else for sure. Say that right. again. Isn't this more north of Michigan? That's where he's uh, Sam Raimi and Mike Bender are from is Michigan. Yeah, it's uh, directly. It's, on, it's, it's Ontario. Yeah. Uh, oh, so. it's Ontario. Okay. Yeah. So. But, but I mean, yes, I mean, anywhere the, no, I'm so, like I'm vibrant lakes yeah, I, and I, wildlife. I, I got confused because there's a Windsor in Ontario and there's also a Windsor in Montreal. Or, uh, well, you're Quebec. now you're Quebec. I mean, not Montreal, Quebec. Yeah, there's, there's two Windsors, two Windsors. There is one, and, one, and, one in Quebec and one in, in Ontario. And Ontario is very wide, you know, like it's uh, a big province. Yeah, they're all big, right? I mean, hey, only... hey, bullying. Let's do some Canadian tech here. You've been to Thunder Bay? Uh, no, no, I'm not allowed in just, Canada because of just the time through. I assaulted a uh, mounted horse. Let's just get through horse. the questions. Oh. Uh, so Camp Chattagay, because I want to talk about I want to talk about my camp pranks. Like, oh, good. Okay. Well, we'll save it because that that's my next question. So Camp Chattagay is your place. Uh, I would say, yeah, probably Oxford for me. That's the only place I do reunions. I have a lot of close high school friends, but we don't have a place like this that we went to. Oh, I wish we could go back to the loft so badly. That was our that was our high school like party spot that we weren't supposed to go to. It was just this garage that was on the uh, property of some rich dude's mansion. That one you're of like a saved by the bell for. character. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I blame Captain Cash for this. Uh, oh, he wasn't invited. He wasn't cool. enough. So this this is a two pronged <laughs> question then. For Bling Blake, because what's the greatest Shrek of the movie, and what's your greatest personal Shrek? The greatest Shrek of the movie is the maxi pad, the Kotex on the bell. Uh, That's anything, pretty good. Anything that Shrek. prevents the, the 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 camp from happening. That's always a good. It's always a good prank. My go-to prank at camp was when you would take the hinges off of somebody's door and then reattach them to the top edge of the door so it opened you know like a like a flap instead of a door i liked that one i also like to fill you take somebody's shower head off and you fill it with uh, kool-aid powder and then put it back on so when they take a shower they get covered in kool-aid I like that one uh, and then of course you turn the bell upside down and fill it with water so then when the camp director comes to ring the bell it dumps water on his head it's a fantastic one okay wow i i that's good. Uh, my favorite Shrek of the movie is when they suspend Kevin Pollock's bed from the yeah. ceiling. Uh, it's a good I move. That was pretty good. I mean, I've done, I've put countless people's hands in warm water. It's yeah. never worked. Oh, it's worked. For I, uh, 
we once put our climbing director's bed up on top of the climbing wall. Uh, <laughs> and then he stayed up there for the rest of the summer. So that was good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a super huge practical joker. So jump sale, favorite Shrek of the movie. The toilet paper joke. That was, that was pretty good. It was funny was, because yeah, it, it just, totally. it was, it was very minor, but it pissed off the guy they wanted to piss off. So it's effective. I mean, I've um, milk socked a few people. Let me I've tell never, you, I've never been a big great. practical joker either. I don't think. I don't know. Help me out, T Dubs. Like, I don't think I ever did like anything too. Not that I recall. I mean, I definitely hazed some people legally. None of the weird stuff. No, I mean, you'd, you'd probably be problematic by today's standards. Yeah, I mean, we did duct I tape mean, a guy and throw him in the yeah, <laughs> bed of a truck. We did that. We we also carried him across the street, put him on the neighbor's front porch. Hazing. That's hazing. But That's not practical they, jokes, guys. They they seemed okay with it. He was fine. He he got yeah. up to his feet and like hop pogo yeah, stick no, across the no street. Big deal. No big deal. I mean just a I little t- duct tape. So yeah, not so evil shenanigans, more like innocent hijinks. Kind of. Uh but number five, this is an ensemble movie full of good to great actors. Who won the movie? And I think the answer is fairly definitive. Sam Raimi. Oh, okay. That's a surprise. That's a dark horse candidate. Uh, Bling Blake, who do you think won the movie? Raimi is a great choice, but but Arkin, always. Alan it's Arkin always, won the movie. It's, it's always Arkin. He was solid, yes. It's always Arkin. Everybody needs a guy like Uncle Lou in their life. And by the way, Lou Handler was the name of their camp the head of their camp when they went to camp tamaqua lou handler was the guy so, so a lot of this movie is inspired by people he knew for example okay. the brothers right matt and it's his cousin who's played by kevin pollack like those were the guys who founded roots clothing yeah that's why As, they're in the movie so the scene where they pull back the collar on alan arkin's character lou's shirt to show his name yes that was actually the real Lou shirt. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's another reason I really like this movie is that movies that are like so steeped in somebody's actual experience and you can tell like there's a lot of love that went into it. This guy obviously had a great admiration for his youth at Camp Tamaqua and the the experiences he had. And you feel that in the movie, I think. So it's definitely a love letter to his personal childhood yeah it really is you can feel that all right listeners we're going to take our second break and when we come back we've got the tamakwathon trivia challenge we'll be right back hello and welcome back to the 207th episode of pops and box office flops again we are talking 1993's indian summer and we are on to the tamakwathon trivia challenge Tonight, gentlemen, we have the standard five-question multiple-choice format quiz, and you'll be playing for Uncle Lou's 1946 Michigan State Boxing Trophy. Nice. Your chime-ins tonight will be, I taped that sucker to my leg, or <laughs> wall-to-wall fish guts, or the Shrek King prevails, or any one of the pod standards. Gentlemen, are we ready? Hell yeah. Ding, ding. All right, number one. As we discussed, Camp Tamaqua is a real camp located in the Algonquin Provincial Park, which is in Ontario, Canada. In the movie, Jack and Beth take over the camp to keep it from closing down 
But in reality, the camp closed down in this year. Is it A, 2011? Is it B, 2015? Is it C, 2019? Or D, never, the camp remains open? I'm going to shoot. Bling Blake. Camp Tamaqua is still open to this day. It is open. You can go to their website and you can register to be a camper if you'd like. But you probably have to be a a kid, so... I can't imagine all of these actors and Hollywood people that love the camp so much would ever let it close if it was ever an issue. They have enough money to yeah. buy that camp a hundred so times over. So it looks like it's doing very, very well. Uh, and you know what? I wish I went to Camp Tamaqua. Miss that. I wish I had a definitive summer camp experience like that. I, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't. I mean, I, I had like a scout camp as a kid, which was not the same. I didn't really have my definitive summer camp, like tr- like that traditional summer camp until I was working at camp in college. But yeah. it's Everybody, awesome. It's, it is the best college job you could ever have being a camp counselor. I, I do think it is fair to say that everyone cherishes the first time they see an uncircumcised penis. Wouldn't have thought that would be the thing you'd think about, but all right. Number two. Yeah. Never mind. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna explain the demographics of summer camp to you. Yeah, the tune, the tune to "Hello Mutta, Hello Mutta," <clears throat> a letter from camp, can be heard as Stick fumbles with the campers' bags. What is the name of the camp the letter writer of that song attends? Oh, is it A Camp Moana? Is it B Camp Anawana? Is it C Camp Granada? Or is it D Camp? Kakaka. I'm going to shoot. Bling Blake. Camp Granada. Yeah, I knew you'd know that. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Camp Kakaka is just a play on Cap Kakaki, which is from Ernest Goes to Camp. <laughs> Anawana is from Salute Your Shorts. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Camp Moana. That's good. That's good. It's a I, I can't, camp. I, I can't <laughs> help but feel I'm at a severe disadvantage here. Yeah, yeah, I'm you're sorry. Screwed. This is this is definitely uh, in my wheelhouse. This is Bling Blake's. Yeah, <laughs> this is home field advantage right here, folks. Sorry, buddy. Uh, so it's two to nothing. We're on to number three. As we discussed, Mike Binder attended Camp Tamaqua in his youth. How many summers did he spend there? Mm. Is it A five. Is it B seven? Is it C nine or is it D ten? Uh, I taped that sucker to my leg, Chumzilla. It is D10. It is 10. He spent 10 summers at Camp Tamaqua. No word oh. on how many Sam Raimi spent there. Always or how many uncircumcised dicks he saw. No, stop. Sam Raimi was killed in a remote cabin in Camp Tamaqua after he read a book made of flesh. Fact. As what we see now is just a horrible horrible disfigured flesh. version and uncircumcised version of him Evil number- did too. pretty good <laughs> so it's a uh, two to one we're on to number four in the film matt craven plays jamie a former camper at camp tamaqua previously he played a counselor in training in this classic summer camp movie oh no is it a friday the 13th is it B, Meatballs? Is it C, Little Darlings? Or is it D, Ernest Goes to Camp? What is Hearts and Tarts. That's Blink Blake. Mm. I'm going to go with Meatballs. Meatballs, correct. 
Uh, he played the character Hardware in Meatball. So you're officially the winner. You get Uncle Lou's 1946 Michigan State boxing trophy. But fuck East Lansing. For the sake of historical record, we do have to do number five. In the film, Jack had buried Lou's 1946 Michigan State boxing trophy because he witnessed Lou commit an act of prejudice. Which of these famous boxers was nicknamed the Motor City Cobra? That's right, folks. There was so little I could dig up on this movie that Jesus. I'm sure Chumpzilla wouldn't have seen in the IMDb trivia that I had to go here. So Aww. who was nicknamed the Motor City Cobra? Is it A, Pinklin Thomas? Is it B, Thomas Hearns? Is it C, Rico Hoy? Or is it D, Buster Mathis Jr.? By the way, two of these people, Mike Tyson beat the shit out of. So, uh, Farts and Tarts. I'm going to go with A. It is not Pinklin Thomas. Damn. Although he was on the receiving end of a Mike Tyson ass whooping. As many, many men were. All right. So remaining uh, choices. B, Thomas Hearns. C, Rico Hoy. Or D, Buster Mathis Jr. Let's go with B, Thomas Hearns. That is correct. Thomas Hearns was the Motor City Cobra. Although he's commonly referred to as the Hitman. And uh, here's a recommendation for you, listeners. If you're not familiar with Thomas Hearns, <laughs> look him up on YouTube. He hit like a Mack truck and specifically watch the first round of him versus Marvin Hagler. That is a blood and guts throwdown for three straight minutes. It is incredible. But Thomas Hearns was the man. Nice. So we are on to recommendations. So gentlemen, what do you have on tap for us this week? Chumpsilla, why don't you kick us off? Well, I'm going to go with uh, uh, the director's best film, Blank Man. It's it's not good. It really isn't. But what? You stop. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to crush him like a little bug. It, it, it's a it's a uh, relic of the 90s, um, it, which yeah. makes it amazing. Yeah. And I love yeah. In Living Color. You have to understand like a frame of reference where this kind of media come from but yeah i think you can uh download it or stream it from amazon or youtube for like two or three dollars it was written i think by like was it marlon waynes probably by the waynes is yeah but yeah, yeah. But I, I, th- I think i think uh it's what, damon damon i'm sorry damon yeah. is the damon's star. one of the stars in it with damon damon waynes is the star david and allen rears his sidekick he's in there I, th- I think it was written by damon waynes it is offensive it's very 90s um i cannot believe the same two people directed this movie and that movie like it it really doesn't add up well that was a job right like he didn't write Kinda, that movie. right but like it was a job it, it, it's still shocking like these those two th- these two films blank man and in summer are like planetarily separated I mean, like, Sam Raimi did Evil Dead and Spider-Man. Well, hey, watch that doc. Directors go, do other stuff. I'm just saying. Go, go, go back to Spider-Man 2 and watch that Doc Oxy. That is straight up Evil Necronomicon. Dead. Yeah, it is. All, uh, but all, no, but, but, all it, I know is. It, it, it's, it, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, go ahead. Blank Man is, is such a poet. Don't you know it? <laughs> it. it it's a dumb movie. It's worth seeing. So if you're going to watch Indian Summer, make sure you watch Plain Man. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, Moving on. 
Speaking of boners, there's <laughs> Damon Wayne's boner is a prominent plot point in Blank Man because his real kryptonite is getting a boner. Uh, <laughs> the movie's amazing. It's so good. It's, it's, I remember so really good. enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, so Blink Blake, what do you have for us this week? All right. Um, we're going to do an Alan Arkin throwback to 1979. Oh, man. And that is the original The In-Laws starring Mm -hmm. Alan Arkin and Peter Falk. Uh, I think you have to rent it, but it is 100% worth the $3. Serpentine, Shelly. Serpentine. It is fantastic. Uh, It is Peter Falk. God, it's so good. I love that movie so much. It is so funny. This this Columbo, he pretends to be stupid, but he's actually very smart. He's actually very smart. Uh, Also, more recently, Alan Arkin, uh, check out the Kaminsky method on. Oh, see, I was going to recommend that too, but I didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, It it got me on. The reason it's a good show. I came to me was because of the in laws, because Michael Douglas stars in the remake of the the shittier version of the in laws. Yeah, you don't need to watch. Uh, It would definitely qualify for this pod. Maybe we'll do like a hops and remake flops at some point. It's totally a ripoff of fucking Meet the Parents. It's like yeah. unbelievable how shameless it is, the remake of The In-Laws. Uh, OG In-Laws is great, but Kaminsky Method is fantastic. Arkin is great in it, as is Michael Douglas. Uh, so you can get that oh, on Netflix. Oh, and guess what, listeners? Nancy Travis, actually in the Kaminsky Method. She's in the Kaminsky Method. Not in Indian Summer, but in the Kaminsky Method. Love me some Nancy Travis. Wait, wait who? God damn it. Just go home. The, the lady from Last Man Standing. Also from So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, oh, the shrink from Harriet. No, that's not Nancy Travis. That's fucking Lorraine Bracco. Who? Never mind. (sighs) Woman. Whoa, man. (laughs) She was a thief. You've got to believe. She stole my heart and my cat. And Blake stole my recommendation. (laughs) But no. Sorry, sorry about that. My actual recommendation is uh, a show I, I'm shocked is actually good, which is Twisted Metal on Peacock. I'm a I'm a big fan of the Twisted Metal game series. Uh, I think it peaked with Twisted Metal Black. But... That's like PS One era, right? Yes, and so they yeah. made a show. It's on Peacock. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Mackie is the star. He's John Doe. He's very funny. Uh, Stephanie Beatrice from uh, Brooklyn Nine Nines in it. She's, she's not. I mean, she's very dry but funny. Um, and then you get a great dual performance from Will Arnett and Samoa Joe as Sweet Tooth. Samoa Joe is the physical actor behind Sweet Tooth, and Will Arnett is the voice. And I'll be honest, I love Will Arnett. I think he's great. He's obviously Lego Batman. They should have just let Samoa Joe do the voice because he's. If you're not familiar with Samojo listeners, he's a, he's a tremendous professional wrestler and he's very good on the mic. And he's really good at Sweet Tooth in doing like the fact that like all his lines are being dubbed over. His physical like acting is very good. The show is wildly entertaining. Thomas Hayden Church is in it as uh, uh, Agent Stone or Sergeant Stone, another Twisted Metal character. And if like you're a real eagle eye, you'll catch a lot of different characters from Twisted Metal lore in the show i was shocked it was as watchable as it is and uh i would definitely give it a give it a go 
So, and then if like I have to admit that's pretty shocking, T Dubs. Yeah, no, I would not have expected that show to be good. I I read some reviews. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll watch it. And then I ended up really liking it. So the the cast is very solid too. That's the thing. I I also wanted to give it a shot because Samoa Joe was in it, (laughs) and I was really happy he was getting like an opportunity outside of wrestling. So that was part of it as well. And then I watched some really uh, terrible movie on Netflix called hidden strike. It's not, I mean, it's bad, but it's also sort of fun. It's Jackie Chan and John Cena. It's way over reliant on CGI, but I love Jackie Chan to death. Like I love Jackie Chan. So, and John Cena rules too. So hidden strike, it has some charming moments. It's like, is that movie uh, all in Chinese or just the preview? There's there's parts of it in Chinese. Yeah. I just saw the preview and I was like, I I wanted to watch it. Yeah. But I was laying on the couch and I was like, I'm not in I'm not in subtitles mode. Anytime he's with the other Chinese actors, he's speaking Chinese. Anytime he's with uh John Cena or the bad guy from Game of Thrones who's in the movie as well, uh the crow's eye. Oh they're, yeah. Uh, they're speaking on, English. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh cool. it's a hundred percent like a Chinese production. And yeah, some of the CGI is like Oh, what the fuck? Why? So, hold on. <laughs> Whatever happened to that Arnold movie with Jackie Chan? I, I own it. Iron Mask. Uh, it's it's bad. It's not good. Okay. Bad. So I should, I should not ask about that then? Never no. mind. I mean, I, I enjoy it because I love Arnold and I love Jackie Chan, but yeah, it's bad. It's like, okay. it's very bad. <laughs> It's, okay. This is better there, than that. Hidden Strike is better than Iron Man. There we go. That's the that's the yeah. real answer. Thank you. But Jackie Chan is clearly old. It's not the same. Um, I'm sure there's stunt doubling involved, which makes my heart weep because he's he is our greatest stunt performer. But the guy's 69 years old, so what can you do? Yeah. And that's that's 69 years with a ton of mileage. Yeah, with. Uh, shattering your skull falling from a tree nearly breaking your neck etc and so on so anyways uh remember you can find the show on twitter facebook and instagram at hops and bo flops you can find myself on twitter at writer tlk captain cash can be found on most social media at c-a-p-t-c-a-s-h chumpsil can be found at chumpsil8 on twitter and bling blake can be found on twitter at bling blake uh i'll never call it x because that's fucking stupid uh it's going to give it to you. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And remember one thing, listeners. If you hit it just right, it's a hell of a life. And Alan Arkin certainly had a hell of a career. R.I.P. Cheers to you, buddy. Cheers to you, indeed. And not cheers to Chumpzilla, whose taste in movies sucks. Anyways, sucks. We'll see you next mm. week for our third Hobson Summer Camp flop with the most shockingly like baffling this movie flopped of all time because it made zero money and now is the epitome of a cult classic, so much so that it spawned a se- uh, prequel movie and a sequel TV show, Wet Hot American Summer. And I can assure you, Chumpzilla's mouth tastes like cheeseburgers. We'll see you next time. No shit, the munchies. I forgot about the munchies.